1: It's going good. I'm glad to see that you have your uh, blue shell of uh, all languages. Because otherwise, we wouldn't be able to understand each other. And so we need that
2: magical blue shell so that we speak the same language. Exactly. Well, I mean, that's how this podcast is able to reach everybody in the the known universe, actually. It's it's a pretty powerful shell.
1: It is. We just leave it laying around for reasons. But,
2: you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So what game did we play?
1: We played... Sydney Hunter and the curse of, I want to make sure I get this right. And the, cause it, it matters. They actually make fun of it in the game. Sydney Hunter and the curse of the Mayan with an N. And then early in the game, they actually are like, it would be Maya, like as in the people, like the Mm -hmm. curse of like on the Mayan people, the Maya. Mm -hmm. And so they make fun of the title being wrong inside of the game. (laughs) Hmm. Which I was like, I don't I'm, did they like register this trademark and then they didn't want to go back and change it? Like how did this joke end up in this game?
2: Yeah, no, that is that is a very a very specific joke. But and, and, and it's something that is in my notes. It doesn't surprise me that that, that that type of joke though gets made because I kind of get the feeling that that type of information is what this game is really centered around.
1: Yeah, agreed. Um, so <laughs> we we have to do uh, like a first time ever thing. So we're going to do this before we do anything else. Uh, is I I want to, uh, in the interest of being genuine to our audience, do a little full disclosure moment. Uh, so a a a uh, a PR firm reached out to us and was like, "Oh hey, you maybe want to like review this game on like your your podcast for games," and I said. Yes, on the condition that we might never get to it because we only play 26 games a year because it's, you know, every other week uh, and that we would be completely honest and that giving us access to the game would in no way influence our reviews. Right. So uh, we did get review copies of this game, which is awesome. And I'm sort of humble bragging. Um, but, (laughs) uh, but I just felt like it was important to me that I was clear about that because I would hate for anyone to be like, Oh, well, your whole review was biased by the fact that you got review copies. We actually didn't even accept the review copies until they agreed to that in writing that we could maybe not even review it at all, even if they gave us the review copies. So, um, there, there's my, my legal disclosure. I'm sure the (laughs) lawyer YouTube channel would say that this totally counts.
2: Yeah, and, and is and is airtight. No. But but no, we um I I was very excited because, you know, like somebody's like, Hey, would you would you like to review our game? I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess I guess that kinda makes us professionals. You know, which I mean to be fair, technically we we are to some degree getting paid for this in general, so that broadly makes us professionals, but in, Not in broadly. the same way,
1: it it's technically correct, the best kind of correct. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean I not not to be pejorative of what we do here because I really love what we do and, and mostly I'm I'm doing it for 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 the 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 payment of um you know people leaving comments and reviews and watching Twitch stream which please do all those things huh see ah, hit it good, all good time. job good job but I would say that we we are getting paid for our podcasting in a similar way that uh, an artist who does cappuccino art is getting paid for his art by people purchasing the cappuccino.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I I was able to quit my day job and just focus on this full time months ago. I just decided not to tell George. Oh, hey, <laughs> <What>? why <laughs>
2: why why wouldn't you tell me?
1: <laughs> so uh, I I wanted to uh, I'm I'm going to do the little like you know uh, fun facts about this. So this game just came out in September September 12th uh, of this year 2019. Um, but. I couldn't help for two reasons, do like a tiny bit of, let's say, backstory. I'm not going to call it research Uh, because
2: that was really careful of you. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, because two, two things happened. One the the nature of how this was brought to my attention, I was like, oh, I need to like poke at this a little. Right. And uh, the, the team that made this game, they're like a really small team. They spent, I think like five years working on this game because what they actually do, like what that company did before they made this game is they made games actual, actually for legacy hardware. So like a game you could put in a real super Nintendo or a real Nintendo and it would actually play on that hardware. So not just a nostalgia game where they're like, "Oh, we're going to re- you know, restrict ourselves to the limitations of the media like they were actually literally restricted." So this was their first game on modern consoles like Switch and Steam and stuff, but hmm. but they were still trying to go with like that, you know, kind of nostalgia vibe. So I think like that's just exciting to me that there's still weirdos out there who make new games <laughs> that you can put into a real super nintendo or genesis or whatever like that's i'm glad to live in a world with weird hobbyists like that like they will probably never make a billion dollars in an industry like that but just please keep being weirdos who like the the cappuccino guy right he's never gonna yeah. be a millionaire but I get a little thrill of delight when somehow my photograph is on top of a cappuccino. Like <laughs> it's just, I, we need weird arts people in the world.
2: Uh, agreed. And actually this is, this is going to be very philosophical and tangential, but, uh, bear with me. You no, know, but I, I think that that kind of speaks to, you know, like a, a developing society, right. Is that, you know, uh, I was marveling to somebody recently and, and as any of our listeners know, like, like neither of us are huge sports fans, right. Um, you know, yeah, sports. <laughs> Come on, sports, sports, <laughs> sports, harder, sports. Ah, sports. Um, but no, I mean, and, and and nothing against people who who like sports. It's just not not my bag, and and it is a very mainstream bag. So I mean, I definitely recognize that that I slash we slash Gaia are in the minority. Um, but uh, but all that being said, is that I was like, not only are we as a society rich enough, and again, this is as a society, not as individuals, but we as a society are rich enough that we can pay substantial sums of money, not just a subsist- subsistence living, but substantial sums of money for somebody to play a, a recreational sport, right? They play it, we watch it, we are entertained by it, and we are willing to pay money for that. Not only are we willing, we're rich enough to, you know, have that right like we have enough food and enough resources to support that right we have enough to support people who all they do is talk about it right yes yeah uh like like
1: meta industries pundits right commentators exactly us yeah (laughs) yeah
2: exactly us right so it all comes back right so so with all that being said, is that, you know, the fact that we are, are rich enough as a society to, for where people are like, well, what's your hobby? Well, it's not making chairs because I have to make chairs in order to, you know, to fund, you know, because chairs have to get made. Um, it's, you know, like, what do you do? It's like, I do something that is 90% just for me and 10% because some people enjoy doing it. And I really think that that's a, that is, and again, this is, I don't don't want to get into all of the broad spectrum politics of like how unbalanced all of this is. <laughs> yeah. But that being said, um, you know, just, just, I don't want to get a whole bunch of ads of like, Oh, you, you know, white privilege, you know, whatever, like, like I get it, you know, but that being said is that I think that, that, that these are stepping stones in the right directions to where people can actually say like, yeah, I, I have this weird hobby mostly for me, but it does bring a little bit of joy to the world.
1: And that's a good thing. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the star Trek future, right? Once you're, yes. you're post economy, then everybody just does what they love and it's wonderful yeah um the the one other uh sort of justification of backstory is Mm -hmm. uh i i did the the social media thing and i was like oh hey twitter i'm going to stream this game right now you should come watch me on twitch and i uh mentioned the producer of the game or i guess developer and producer they do it all um collector vision games and uh, then I was playing for like, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes and the project lead for the game came in and was like, oh, hey, this is my game. And then <laughs> and then sat there and talked to me about it and watched me play it for like 90 minutes or a couple hours. So um, I actually saved that entire session and left it on uh, my Twitch. So there will be a link for that in the show notes. It's not – I mean, I'll, I'll be upfront. It's not like, oh, my God, a developer is really in there. But it was just like a really cool moment for me to be like, oh, I'm not only playing this game, but somebody who directly worked on the game from a very small team. So somebody who was, like, deeply involved in producing the game is, like, watching me, and then I was like, yeah, this is when the review's going to come out, and I am – going to have to tell myself not to be self-conscious about the fact that you're probably going to listen to it right <laughs> so, so like it, it you know when we've played games from ages ago or even like the new nostalgia games we've played like i i'm more or less confident that those developers are not just sitting around listening to us they should be they absolutely should be but i don't think, everyone should be yes totally but I, I don't think that a lot of them are because they probably have like families and stupid crap so Uh, The fact that this guy took some time away from whatever other thing was going on to, like, dip in a little and, like, talk directly to, you know, a player. I was like, oh, this this, this is pretty cool. And again, not humble bragging, just full on bragging at this point.
2: (laughs) Because because no one is as humble as I am.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Now, (laughs) now we can actually start talking about the game.
2: All right. So let's get into it, man. Visuals. What'd you think? So the visuals in this are all great
1: in isolation. And this was a weird realization for me because there was something from right when you're first in uh, like exploring the temple because the the temple's like your hub world, like how you get to the different Mm -hmm. levels. I, I had this weird feeling and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And then there's a like a statue in the background And that was the thing that was the glass shattering moment where I was like, Oh, there are several different art styles in this because all of the sudden they have the ability to do that. So if you're developing for the Nintendo or the super Nintendo or the Genesis or the Atari 2600 or whatever, like there is a very real limit to how much you can mix and match things like resolution because you just didn't have a lot of wiggle room. But when you're, developing something that's supposed to look classic, but you're playing it on modern hardware, you can mix and match resolutions, and it is weird to the eye. So like the main character like doesn't have a black outline. I would say he's probably he's either actually a 16 by 16 sprite or he's supposed to look like a 16 by 16 Sprite. So he's like doubled up. And then Mm That's fine, but then there's other things that are obviously a higher resolution than that, like this one statue in the background of this one room. Where I was like, no, these no, like the pixels on that are smaller than the pixels on this other thing, and it's actually because one pixel in another place is like eighty pixel, or well, it would have to be an order of two, so it's a hundred and twenty eight pixels, right? But it's it's like supposed to still be as if it was done with a single dot and when you mix Mm. and match those resolutions on the same screen at the same time it creates this sort of weird cognitive dissonance and once i realized that's what was happening i just sort of got over it but i can imagine someone who never realizes that that's happening always feeling like why does part of the screen look blurry or why does part of the screen look sharper or why does why is something feel different or out of place? And it's this its this mix-and-match resolution.
2: Well, more likely is, and this is something that we've touched on before, is that a lot of the times with things like this, and it is so, so difficult to do, right? Because like I said, I've done very, I've very briefly dabbled in some pixel art myself. And placing a single pixel out of place turns it from like an an elegant, you know, Uh, metroid or you know (laughs) uh, an elegant x-buster into like this horribly misshapen you know cronenberg right (laughs) yeah one pixel is all it takes right so this this i think would be an example of something where when it is done well it does not raise your cognitive dissonance and when it's a miss it does you know and so if you've got a trained eye, you can kind of pick out what's going on in the same way that if occasionally somebody, or or if somebody used to using like slant rhymes in poetry, right, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't sound right, you know, and anybody can kind of tell you that it doesn't sound right. Somebody who is an, an expert or knowledgeable in the area could be like, oh, well, because they are using slant rhymes. So the consonant lead in, the consonants are the same at the end, however the vowel sound is different. So that's why it sounds like it's almost rhyming, but it doesn't really. And this causes that that same kind of thing where, you know, it just it's 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 very difficult to get. But uh if it's if it's not done perfectly, then it, it definitely raises your, your almost dis-ease, you know, yeah. with the visual style.
1: And I mean the 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 heartbreaking part, I guess, or the 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 bummer is each of the artifacts, like if you took each tile or each sprite or each you know backdrop or whatever, and you isolated them, you would say like, oh yeah, this, this looks fine. This is like, I see the, the era in history that this pixel art is trying to emulate. Like, I totally get it. But then because some of them are this, what I'm going to call different resolution, right? Because some of them seem to have more pixels than others. When you have them all in front of you at the same time, that's where the dissonance comes in. So like with a a, – I think the the metaphor of a slant rhyme is a good one because in isolation, you would say there are words that rhyme with those words, but those Mm -hmm. two words don't really rhyme with each other, right? Right. And and throughout the game, most of the time, I would say there's a a settled-on resolution, and then there were just a couple places where they were like, oh, we want this statue, this background, this thing to be more detailed – And so they threw additional pixels at it, and then your brain just kind of goes like, hmm, close. Like, (laughs) yeah, that's a nice word, but it doesn't quite rhyme with the word that came before it. Right. And it's yes, it the thing the reason I say like it's almost a little tragic is because I didn't see anything that I was like, oh, that's terrible. Oh, oh no. Like this is this is ugly as sin, right? It's just combined, there's sometimes that kind of like visual dissonance. So you almost are like a, a little uh, like Icarus situation, right? Like you were saying, mm-hmm. uh, you you get a little, you, you, you know, you flew a <laughs> little, little too close to the sun there, and and that's that's the tragedy. Fortunately, uh, I tr- once I realized that's what was happening, I tried to kind of like keep a rough tally in the back of my head, like how often it happened, and it's not very often. It's just mm-hmm. when it happens, I was like, ah, there it is, right? But this is I'm, <laughs> I'm talking throughout the whole game like a dozen times or less.
2: Um One of the things that kind of hit for me was um you know some of the the visual cues um I got well bitten by, and that that joke will make more sense here in a second um <laughs> but uh but not all the visual cues were as as clean or as clear as I, I- would normally like to see um one of the the forefronts is the snakes right so the first yeah, they it, there yeah. are
1: snakes in the grass
2: literally literally and with the the figurative <laughs> meaning of that. Yes. So, you know, there's snakes in the grass, that's fine. Uh, the snakes are green. The grass is the, if not the exact shade, it's really close. Close enough to the point where I, I literally at one point said, why did I just get damaged by this bush? Oh, wait, there's a snake there, <laughs> you know? And so, um, you know, that's, that's fine if they're trying to, like, blunt your forward momentum, you know? If they're trying to say like, oh, well, you should be like kind of, you know, walking around scared and checking every bush, you know. So, for example, like Castlevania and even Castlevania didn't do stuff like that. Right. But to me, the aesthetic behind this overall is not really that of horror. Right. Like you are in an ancient Mayan temple and it could very easily be that. But all the animation is very like kind of, you know, um, more, uh, even like the main character has like that huge goofy nose and the goofy hat. Oh yeah, and, you know it's, it's, it's very it's the, it's the
1: Looney Tunes version of Indiana Jones. It's all meant to right. be in good fun, exactly. So since
2: that that to me that aesthetic clashes with you know things like this. So and and so therefore, i don't know whether or not it was intentional, but having you know green snakes against the green background makes them incredibly difficult to see, so then I would occasionally get popped by a snake and be like that wasn't it, it didn't feel fair you know especially if you've only got three tags until you're dead and you're knocked back to the most recent save point right you know losing a single hip hit point can be uh be hugely problematic and i mean I know you can get more hearts later you can you know, upgrade and all that sort of stuff, but but still, um, so that that was a, uh, a sticking point for me. Another place where I saw a similar visual issue was with the um, the blocks that give out, right? Oh, the, the like that crumble away. Yeah, right. Because blocks of that type sometimes they crumble away and sometimes they do not. You no, know, I, you get, um, you get like,
1: if I had to guess, I'd say it's like eight frames of confirmation before it gives way of you so you <laughs> you step you know you have 10 blocks in a row that all look identical you cannot tell which ones are going to crumble and then when you step on it it continues to support your weight but immediately looks all cracked and you know falling apart and then it gives way and then you fall to your death right so you Correct. do you do get a warning but it is not much it's it's more like a. uh you know, but in the Latin alphabet, Jehovah starts with an I, J, exactly.
2: right? <laughs> it's it's a lot more like that. It is, and actually, that was the exact thought that because again, it's it's Indiana Jones, it's cartoon Indiana Jones, right? So, I I, I was trying to reconcile, you know, the fact that I'm like I'm sure that that's what we're what we're going for, right? What they're going for, but it, to me, again, it clashes with the cartoony aesthetic of uh, if you've got things that like are laying in wait to try to get you. You know that that kind of clashes with uh, with what you, what they're selling you as what you're getting into. You know, so you know in in a in Indiana Jones, which definitely I would not call that a lighthearted comedy.
1: You know, uh, um, I mean it's an adventure flick. Like it's it, it's always supposed to feel like how will our hero get out of this one? But you never actually. I mean, he never even loses his hat. Like it it's. You know going into it that he's going to come out in the end, but it's the thrill of seeing how he pulls it together.
2: Oh, it's definitely like – because, I mean, I think it is actively based on, like, Buck Rogers, you know. Oh, yeah. George Lucas is not known for his original (laughs) ideas. Uh, I mean, well, unfortunately – when he does have original ideas, those are the ones that he is now very much known for. Um, (laughs) He's not famous for them. He's infamous for his original ideas. (laughs) He's famous for his non-original ideas and infamous for his original ideas. That's right. Uh, But I mean, I would still argue that, you know, if we're if we're doing it on the spectrum of like resident evil to tiny tunes i don't expect to see somebody saying kali ma as they reach into a man's chest and pull out their still beating heart as it catches fire as they are emulated in you know a temple of doom that's kind of dark that's, right that's you know dark. so yeah <laughs> <laughs> so Again, like if if all of a sudden you know one of the minds said, "I'm so glad you got the blue shell because now we can speak to you now, golly ma!" <laughs> like I would be like, "Whoa, hey, what's what's going on here?" So um, so anyways, the, the, to to bring it all back to visuals, right? Is that having visuals that kind of lie to you effectively? Um, is is something that can be done in video games? I did not think that it was an appropriate choice here, uh, and and it it kind of caught me on the, on the back end a number of times where I was expecting for all the visuals to be clear and they weren't all the time.
1: Yeah, and I think this is... Because the, the way I was experiencing this I think actually jives really well with the way you were experiencing this, which is what stood out to me was uh, that there is a pretty dramatic variety in the level palette and the level mm-hmm. layout and the level design that actually is varied quite substantially. Like, as dramatic as any, you know, Mega Man, which this obviously draws a lot of inspiration from, but the enemies are super not variable. They actually, I think by less than halfway through, you've seen all the enemies you're ever going to see. And then they're distributed in ways that make them mechanically novel, and we may get to that later. But the problem with enemy reuse of that density is that you can potentially run into color palette issues and where I think it falls down is actually not in the later levels. It's in the earlier levels because Mm -hmm. in the earlier levels where you are is less spectacular, right? It's, it's more like, Oh, it's, there's rocks and grass and trees, right? It's, it's more believable Whereas the later levels are like more fantastical and there's lava and everything looks like it's made of gold, right? So like you got to work up to the golden city of lava, but you start in like the stone temple of outside with trees and stuff. And that means (laughs) if you have snakes, which are a one shot enemy that you see very early in the game and they're outside with bushes and tall grass, then there's going to be times where they clip you and you weren't expecting to get clipped. But it's happening to you at a part of the game where you're just learning the visuals and the mechanics and you only have three hearts, right? Yep. By later in the game, when everything's made out of lava and gold, those green snakes really stand out. And also, you have 10 times as much life and you get an because item that makes you take half damage.
2: Because green is Red's complement, which means it makes it
1: pop out. Yeah. Exactly right. <laughs> so, like, I almost feel like those things should have been reversed, right? When I'm way more likely to get tagged, make it harder for me to be the one who made that mistake, right? Make it more likely that I as a player didn't execute whatever I needed to do, like a red, like a coral snake, like it's red and black, but it's against a green background, so it really stands out. But then later in Golden lava Land, then it's harder to see the coral snake because now there's lots of other reds and oranges and things, right? So like I have more life. It's okay to take those little pot shots just to remind me that the world is dangerous. When I can die in like two seconds, maybe don't remind me so much that the world is dangerous. Right. (laughs) And I I know this is drifting heavily into mechanics, but like, I think you could have solved this mechanical issue with a very simple, like color change. Just don't Mm -hmm. make the enemies so invisible, like gray bats against gray stone and green snakes against green bushes early on make them harder to see later when every mistake doesn't just end my current run.
2: Right. Um, which then starts to impact the cycle time, which will be on my tombstone, right? <laughs> um <laughs> the uh the one I've got a couple of other notes for visuals. The one other one that I wanted to I've got a couple of throwaway notes, but the one the one beefy one that I kinda wanna talk about because I'm not sure um what your experience with it was. But uh for me personally, the the hitbox for fire, specifically the fire shot at you from the uh, the gatekeepers, I did not. I don't know, man. It might have been my own skill, but I did not care for the hitbox on those giant flames that come at you. Um, I was more intensely aware of it because uh, they are a one hit kill. So if you screw that up, you are you're you're kicked back to the most recent save point, right? And so. Um, there were a couple of times I was like, no, no, I jumped over that, you know, and I know that they try to disincentivize you from jumping over that, which I didn't really because I I was like, then then make it more impossible for me to do that. If you don't want me to play, if you don't want me to play the way I want to play. If you want me to play the way you want me to play, then that's that's fine, especially early on. If you're trying to teach me the way to play the game, all that's fine. But then make it clear that I can't do this thing. Make the fire like half again longer. So that way I'm not trying to jump over it and then getting clipped by what feels to me to be an unfair hitbox, especially with fire. Fire can be really tricky because if you make it look, the more and more you make it look like fire, which means that it has like licking flames, you know, how do you handle the hitbox on those flames, right? You know, because if you include those flames in the hitbox, it really feels unfair, even though you are technically touching the fire, you know, and if you don't include them and you drop the hitbox too low into the the licking flames, then you could be like, man, I'm just passing through these flames. It doesn't make any sense. So it's definitely difficult to do. But I felt that this time there were a couple of times when I got tagged that I really felt that I had cleared that particular flame and I apparently hadn't. So. I wasn't too keen on the hitbox, at least in that instance. So,
1: so I will say that I noticed that as well. I swore my way through that first uh, fight with the guardian door because I was like, oh, you're supposed to jump over the flames so that you can like murder him faster. Yeah. And I think that is the exact uh thing they're trying to communicate to you because there are like two stones you can stand on that are floating Mm -hmm. that will let you stay out of the range of the flame and if you're on the ground you better have that jump perfectly timed right so it, it feels like they're just sort of letting you know like there are things in the world that will one shot you no matter what and and one of the npcs literally even tells you this right like yeah the fire that comes out of its mouth will kill you so don't touch it and so they're they're it feels it feels like visually they're trying to set up like you can stand up here safely and this boss will take way longer for you to kill, or you can go in and try to murder house it way faster, but if you make a single mistake, you're donezo. And the lesson I took away from that was like, okay, this hitbox isn't good enough for me to rely on it, so I'm going to take the slower, like more laborious path. And then what kind of Flipped my thinking a little bit is later in the game. And this isn't a thing that only happens later. It's just a thing I only noticed later several times. I was on a platform that gave way. And because my, the heel of my back foot or the toes of my front foot happened to be on the next platform. They generously did not make me fall to my death. And so I was like, okay. So it feels like the hitbox on that flame is gigantic, on purpose because they really want you to want it. They really if you're a speedrunner and this is something the project lead told me like they thought about speedrunning and, and some of the level design. So if you're a speedrunner, they really want you to have to execute that perfectly. Otherwise, you have to do the demonstrably slower hit twice, go stand on the block, wait for the fire to pass on you, go back, hit twice, go stand Right, It's way, 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 way slower and you fight those guardian door things several times throughout the game. So I agree with you. It mm. it robs a little of the fun out of it that it's like so pixel perfect the way you have to arc
2: over the flame. But I don't think it was an accident. I just don't like it. Right. And and that's the thing, is then so you know, that what that then begs the question is what's what's the audience, right? You know, so I mean if you're going for an audience of like hardcore speedrunners, then that's that's fine. But that that does curtail your audience to a degree and and i've got kind of a note on uh cognitive load (laughs) later on in the uh mechanics section um for 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 this type of thing which is to say you know like how how much can you disincentivize speed running effectively um you know so we can get into that in mechanics but uh but yeah so so overall i there was there weren't too many times when i said nah that I should have hit that thing or that thing shouldn't have hit me. So overall, I felt the hitbox was pretty decent. I did feel that on the things that one hit kill you was, in my opinion, where the hitbox was a little shakier. And those two things clashed pretty hard for me because I was like, well, if it's one hit killing me, it should be really generous on the hitbox. You know, Um, like if I if I get tagged by a snake accidentally, I'm like, "Er, whatever but if i have to you know slog through a minute and a half of gameplay in order to get to the mid boss which again we'll get to in mechanics <laughs> um but if if i if i've got to do all that and then i'm like okay i made this jump no no apparently i didn't make it that that becomes a uh, it, it rises my frustration level slightly well and it it forces
1: you to accept like do i want to be this super patient player right and for a lot of people the answer is no
2: they're like no i can see oh my god are we still talking about this everybody knows that patience is my biggest virtue move on yeah exactly <laughs> um, so two uh
1: two things uh that i i want to one i already kind of said but like i was actually really happy with the level appearance and like it's kind of general design and layout because mm-hmm. they're not yes. linear right their Man levels are very linear these are more like modern Castlevania kind of like sprawling levels where mm-hmm. you, sometimes you backtrack, sometimes you go over there. Sometimes you have to go up and left and then back to the center and then up and right. Right. So there's a little bit more um like variety. Metroidvania.
2: In, yeah. yeah Metroidvania ask.
1: Yeah. You know, you get keys and the keys open the doors. Right. And so there's uh, a little bit more in like how you explore the world, which I enjoyed. Um I really, you would, I, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I would have done. Um I was surprised <laughs> how unbothersome I found the hub world because mm. every time mm-hmm. you go into the hub world, you're always in the idol room where the idols were stolen from and where the clock gets broken or the calendar, not the clock, the clock 24 hour day in the Mayan cycle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where the calendar gets broken, right? So I, I, like you always end up there, but the hub world is just small enough that I didn't feel like annoyed when I would have to go to a level or or go like, oh, I need to go to the shop. It's like two screens over. And I, I liked how on brand that hub world is because you are supposed to be trapped in this temple. And so you can go into different rooms in the temple. You can go like out into the courtyard, but you can't leave the temple. And if you're mm-hmm. in a building, how do you get into the courtyard or into other rooms? Through doorways, right? So like it actually... It makes the world feel a little bit more cohesive because it's like, oh, there's the water area and the lava area, and then there's the jungle platform area, right? Which can feel super disjointed in a platformer game, but because it's like, oh, the the jungle area is like up and outside in the courtyard, and then the lava area is like down below the temple, like in the basement, right? So it just mm-hmm. it makes everything feel more connected in a way that platformer levels are often... Distinct, isolated artifacts with absolutely no connective tissue, and and this is like a stupid thing to care about. But I like when a world feels like it makes sense, and connecting these incredibly disparate visuals is a way to have that cohesive feeling.
2: Yes, and and I would agree with that. That's also something that I really, uh, really appreciate in the game is when the world feels like a a world, you know. Um, because it would be very easy to, you know, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm reminded, uh, briefly of, of that time when we went to a hotel for a, a martial arts tournament. It was, and it was the Gaylord Orlando. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and we, we were outside and then we opened the door to walk inside and we were effectively in a jungle area, which none of us were expecting. We were like, did we just load into a different area? Like what? What just happened? It was it was very jarring and disjointing. And while the Gaylord went way out of their way to generate that beautiful indoor outdoor <laughs> effect in video games, it's super easy to do it by accident and poorly, right? Yeah. So you know, we're see all of a sudden every
1: modern Final Fantasy where you can literally see the dividing line between ice crystal forest and oil ocean sand desert land. And it's like yes, n- exactly. no, there should be I mean... more of a buffer between these things. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, and also too i mean the the winds between those two areas would be like catastrophic right because of the convection currents you know between the the hot and the cold it would be uh i mean the nice thing though is if you put wind turbines there it it would power everything that you would ever need yeah. but uh so
1: side story uh the the like tinkerbell like universe like hers oh
2: i'm I'm so glad because i I wanted to bring this up yes continue
1: right so like (laughs) pixie hollow is like a forest and then there's like the seasons like live Mm -hmm. on like the north south east west of pixie hollow and and one of the stories i have children also i love disney so i don't care what people think of the fact that i know all this so (laughs) (laughs) you know one of the seasons is winter but it's attached to pixie hollow which is kind of always in like late spring, early summer. It's just like beautiful all the time. And so there's a clear dividing line where literally the snow is always falling. And then on the other side of that line, it's never falling. But I can accept that because magic. I'm not saying it makes right. any damn sense. But like if you think of, you know, like Sonic, right? Like every Sonic game, like each world or stage, each stage is completely Completely, a thousand percent different from the stage before it, and whatever stage comes after it, with zero connective tissue. Right. So either mm-hmm. make your world entirely magic, and then I'll just give up on the concept of physics altogether, or have a little bit of connective tissue. Give me the Mayan temple that separates the jungle from the lava.
2: Right. And so, uh, so as, as we were kind of discussing, like that's it's very easy to just kind of say, like, okay, you're in the new stage. Here's the new, the the new hotness. Um, but, uh, but, you know, a, a world that, that kind of brings it all together, at least in some cohesive hub where, you know, I mean, even, even a game that just says, you know, uh, the answer is don't think about it, Morty, you know, like that's, <laughs> yeah. which is basically what the, the magic is. It's like, it's, it's magic, you know, like, all right, you know, um, but, uh, but yeah, so no, I, 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 I appreciated that as well. Um, one of the other things that, um, just, just two minor throwaway things. One of them was, uh, I liked the highlighting of the character to show which was talking in you know the body oh, yeah, text. yeah in, in the
1: little um like discussions with npcs
2: yeah, yeah. i thought that that was just kind of a, a nice easy elegant way to say like this person speaking now this person speaking this is what this person said you know because especially because they do throw a lot of text at you um which can become problematic depending on what the age range is that you're shooting for um because you know uh Luckily, I don't think that there are too many hard. Like you could play this game without being literate, but you wouldn't really get nearly as much out of it. No. Um, so, uh, so you know, it, it does it does again curtail your audience a little bit. Not severely, but anybody who's five or younger is not going to have the patience to go through those huge bodies of text. But that being said, is that, you know, when I was reading it, it was very easy for me to be like, oh, okay, this is the, the Maya talking to me, and this is now my reaction. So I really appreciated that. And also the, um, the way they tell you how little air you've got left, I, I've i never seen that before, where it's just a number above you counting down. Like, Yeah, and it, it's not...
1: It's not mapped to seconds, which makes it a yeah. little bit more tense because it's a high number.
2: It starts at fifteen, but then it counts down rather quickly. Yeah, you're fifteen, fourteen, thirteen. And you're like, oh goodness, but uh, but it's it's really clear, it's really clean. You know, I mean, like everybody. I mean, Teddy can't read. He can't read those bytes of text, but he can count to you know. Uh, he, he counts weird. He <laughs> arguably has counted to 100, but the speed at which he accomplished that feat makes me think that he kind of skipped over a few things. <laughs> One, yeah, two, 98 good job because like he, i mean because you know he was counting which i mean i mean literally counting sheep is how you put some people to, sh- to sleep right so you know i wasn't really paying attention so he's like one two three and then i i, I blacked out for some period of time and then he was like 57 58 59 Dad, what comes next i was like 60 and then i was like wait did he like how long have i been driving where am i you know and then he was like like ninety eight ninety nine one hundred what comes after hundred? I'm like, what is happening <laughs> um but anyways, all that being said is that that even that is something that, that somebody of his age because he's four like they could re- recognize fifteen, fourteen, thirteen, it's like, yeah, as that number goes lower, like you were closer to death, you know, um and it is bright and colorful, it stands out, but uh i <laughs> I preferred that to like the choices that Sonic made, which is just kind of like. An intermittent doorbell followed by the sound that will haunt you until the day that you die.
1: Yeah, and the number almost feels like a nod to Sonic. Like, hey, what if the number in Sonic had been useful instead of terror
2: inducing? <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Lay
1: down, try not to cry, cry a lot. Cry a lot. <laughs> Um, I do need to call out the frame rate. Uh, I'm going to say issues because I'm part of me wants to be really generous and be like, Oh, they did this on purpose to give it a nostalgic feel. But then the consistency with which it happens under certain conditions, I was like, no, I think it's actually just struggling. So you played on the switch. I played Mm -hmm. on my PC. Um, I'm, pretty confident my pc
2: can handle this comfortably so i don't think it's i don't know man yeah. you, you, you're known for i mean i to be fair how would you know i mean it is not your strong it, it's really
1: not it's it's a it's an embarrassment <laughs> if anything um but i i, I feel like this, this is not my hardware struggling with the software right because mm-hmm. certain Environments uh, like certain collections of enemies on the screen, paired with certain weapons like the throwing spear, uh, really just drag the frame rate down a lot. And it seems to duck a consistent amount. So it's like the frame rate never dipped to like 25, then 20, then 12, then 6, then pop back up to 18, then pop back up to 30. It actually feels like it's ducking almost a specific amount like the game engine is like huh? and it's going into like lower frame rate mode until it's done processing and then it spikes back up which I'm I'm sure it's not quite that tight but the reason it didn't feel like a hindrance and was just more of an annoyance is the last boss There's there is so much happening on that screen there's blocks mm-hmm. that bamf in and out there's his, his big shield there's fire. He's huge. Like you're jumping around. There's crap flying all over the place. Like there's just a lot of stuff on the screen and a lot of it's flickering or moving or moving and flickering. And so when the frame rate would duck a lot, I was like, oh, but it's always ducking in a way that's like moving through molasses. And it's like, oh, okay. I just have to move through the molasses until I'm out and then I'm moving at full speed again. Right. It wasn't st- I think stuttery is probably the word I'm dancing around. It, it didn't feel like the game was stuttering. It just felt like it had gone into low power mode. And <laughs> and the difference between game breaking and annoying is low power mode is like, oh, I can account for this. Everything just happens at like halftime, right? Whereas stuttering is in a platformer, like basically experience ruining. You can't account for stuttering. So mm-hmm. I don't think this was intentional. I think it's just the game engine gracefully handling way more crap than it's capable of processing simultaneously, but it does handle it really gracefully, but it is really annoying because it's like all this action's going on and then it's going on in
2: slow motion. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fair. Um, Do you have anything else for visuals?
1: Um.
2: No, I think I'm good on visuals. Yeah, we could hit audio. All right. So why why don't you lead us into audio? Because I remember you had some. Uh, I I we are on the same page, but I think you will be more eloquent in the way that you approach it. Oh, you mean by saying the music are good? Yes, the music are good. Yeah, no, I, the, I <laughs> it's so
1: good. Like it's it's yeah. really charming. My only tiny complaint, and and this is. I don't actually care about this. This is just a thing I noticed and I put it in my notes, which is uh very, very little of this music is what I would think of as being like South American, Mayan mm-hmm. tribal drums, right? Whatever stereotypes you may think of as a, a European or an American, whatever that music actually sounded like, I, I don't really know, but very little of this music made me think, oh, this is on theme for a jungle Mayan adventure, right? But Mm -hmm. that being said, um, I don't care because it was really good. Like a lot of these songs, I've actually caught them like kind of running through my head a little bit. And they're, they're not supremely hummable, whistleable, like Super Mario Brothers or Mega Man style, but they're all really excellent little pieces of music Uh, there's tons and tons of variety. Each level has its own little song. The Mm -hmm. hub world has its own song. The bosses have like boss music, but it's the same boss music every time. So you get that like mega man, like thrill of like, okay, I'm in the boss room. I'm fighting a boss now. Right. So there's, there's just good, good music. Like it's just other than, Oh, well, it's not always on theme. Like that is literally the only negative thing I could say about this music. I loved all of the music in this game.
2: And and for it not being on theme, I think that this is maybe the the opposite thing of of what we were talking before. So I I would say that it may not always be particularly on theme. I I and this is something that we'll have to broach later. But you know I I am not an expert in uh, Mayan culture, not even close. I, I am just you know? learning this now. <laughs> um yeah no i mean i i i know that that you thought i got my doctorate in you know early central south south so, americans so, so. see? yeah see it's
1: a, you're, it's, yeah, what right? you're really <laughs> trying to do is see if i know but i know that <laughs> both of us know so i'll just leave it up as an exercise for the listener
2: yes yes obviously <laughs> i mean you know if we we can't spoon feed you everything <laughs> uh but uh oh, is true. but anyways um so I don't. I, I couldn't tell you whether or not this was, you know, pr- particularly on theme. However, I don't feel that it was ever off theme. You know, yeah, it, do- it doesn't do- feel
1: like techno futuristic cyberpunk.
2: Yeah, it never feels like techno futuristic. It's never like hard rock. You know, it's never. Um, you know, it doesn't sound like classical music. You know, it. So it it may it may not be. You know like dead dead on or stereotypical but i would say that there was no point where i was like why am i getting sick guitar riffs during (laughs) my uh (laughs) during my mayan adventure you know Um, and again games many times do use those types of dissonance to you know yeah, like put a spin on a on a type of game you know so when you do hear like a, a sick guitar riff you know like in the middle of you know castlevania or something like that it's supposed to be or devil may cry would be a great example of you know they're hyper stylizing you know that particular genre right um so so no i think that this game was never there was never a point where i was like ooh, this this doesn't make sense. So in the same way that the visuals with the, the pixel art kind of occasionally made you go, Hmm, this, this feels wrong. This never did that to me. Like the music never felt wrong.
1: Yeah. And I, I think as, as I'm chugging on this in my brain, uh, I believe there's a difference between like culturally thematically appropriate. And then like uh, the, the theme of, what you're supposed to be feeling and experiencing as the player or as the viewer, right? So this is a lighthearted sort of cartoony adventure world. That's Indiana Jonesy, right? And draws from a lot of video game history and the music totally fits all of that, right? It's, it's Mm -hmm. upbeat. Most of the music is pretty fast paced. It's kind of driving you forward, right? It's, it's, it's adventure video game music. And I don't mean that it's generic because it's really not, but it's, if somebody played this for you, you could, and you'd never played the game. You just heard the music. You could probably make some fairly accurate guesses about what the gameplay was like and what maybe even the world was like a little bit like, Oh, maybe you're like a lone hero. And this is probably like a platformer. Cause the music's kind of like driving you on to like go faster and faster and faster. Right. And, and, and get through the challenge, you know, quicker and quicker. And maybe that's what makes you make a mistake because like you were being driven on by this, like exciting adventure music. And that, that being thematically accurate i think is more important than like the cu- cultural theming right because de- mm-hmm. devil may cry like yeah that's a universe that has rock guitars but it's weird but it totally works right <laughs> castlevania like the newer castlevanias there's lots of like rock guitar for no reason but they make it work because the 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 actual composition of the music fits the style that they're going for even though yeah they probably did not have you know electric guitars in like the 1400s or whenever those games are supposed to be taking place so it's i i, I prefer thematically appropriate to like culturally sensitive i guess mm-hmm.
2: well i mean i i think uh, this is this is definitely tangential but a great example of you know thematically appropriate is um the fact that all of doom's uh, the, the Doom sixteen's music is all, you know, like that death metal, but it's actually a modulated chainsaw noise. <laughs> so they took a chainsaw yeah. and then basically, like, effectively auto-tuned it. So that way, all of the music has this kind of gritty feel to it because it's an actual chainsaw. Yeah, but there, there is it, a name for that
1: kind, that, like, genre of music where you lo- use, like, power tools and, like, garbage and machines. And stomp? Things. Yeah, I mean, it... Stomp. Stomp. yeah it's stomp
2: yeah yep <laughs> <laughs> it's it's stomp it's like the blue man group uh what were we talking about oh right um yeah no so i i <laughs> i really liked uh i i really loved the music i thought that it like i said even though it may not have been you know mayan traditional music which i totally know what that sounds like uh i did i did really like it um one of the other things is uh the and this is just something that again i think it helps with world building is um that the music and sound effects change when you go underwater right and so that does that does two cool things that i really like is one is it does really kind of make you feel much more so like you're in the game especially in a two-dimensional platformer it's very easy to kind of check out and see it all as you know like a a, a puzzle right um so this this it, it pulls you in because when you your character goes under it sounds like you're underwater which is great also too it makes you intensely aware of when you're underwater and when you have a 15 second ish amount of time before you die and you're underwater i always knew exactly when i was underwater because i could hear it and that's a fun little visual cue that we saw in celeste and i called it out in celeste um and uh i think that was the first time i really noticed it that was maybe not the first time i've seen it but that was the first time i noticed it so the fact that i'm seeing more of that in in games is uh is really good. It's very similar to like when a a flashbang or something goes off and you hear the ringing, you know, like stuff like that, you know, it's like, ah, my tinnitus malt, malt, Malt."
1: you know? (laughs) Well, somebody in the the Twitch chat and I'm, I'm going to screw up exactly how they said it, but, um, I was playing and, and somebody in the Twitch chat literally said something to the effect of, I have a lot of respect for games when they know to duck the music and sound effects when you're underwater. And I was just like, yeah, I think respect actually is the right word for that, right? It It's a little, yeah. little bit of polish that you couldn't really do way back in the day, like on a real Super Nintendo game, maybe by the Super Nintendo era, but definitely not on an S game, right? There's no way you could have applied that kind of oh, yeah. filter to the entire audio track, right? They could barely play sound effects and music at the same time. So to have this like... over filter that is like, oh, all the music and everything's still playing, but it sounds like you're underwater, right? It sounds far away. It sounds kind of muffled. And it's just, honestly, that is probably one of the easiest things to do in your entire game development because the music's already written, the sound effects are already developed, and then you just slap an electronic filter on there that makes it sound muffled when you're underwater, right? Like when you're at these pixel coordinates, make everything sound kind of crappy is... Probably not a hard thing to do for a developer, but it's just one of those little touches that is like, hey, thanks for doing that. Thank you for taking the
2: time to do this. It is most appreciated. Yeah, no. Um, So definitely something I appreciated. Uh, What else do you have for sound? I
1: I have to crap all over the sound effects of this game. I just, I absolutely must (laughs) because every this is this is the way more extreme version of what i was saying with like oh that pixel art looks fine in isolation but it feels out of place with this other pixel art every single sound effect feels fine in isolation and almost every single sound effect feels terrible where it's actually used in the game because there's this weird mixing of like pseudo realistic and like Atari 2600 arcade cabinet era, like beeps and boops and blings and like generic computer noises. Mm -hmm. So like when you hit some stuff, it makes this kind of like wood blocky noise. And then other things make like a scratchy electronic noise. And it almost never fits with the visual. Like there's very few sound effects that I was like, Oh, that is definitely supposed to be stone cracking or a whip cracking or an animal like having its death throes and being like, argh as it dies. Like almost every single sound effect is just a weird, we needed an audio cue for this. So here is the NES palette or Atari 2600 palette of sound effects we chose from, or we designed from scratch to emulate those sound effects. I just, th- that's a thing that has not aged well and I, because the music is so high quality and I suspect whoever worked on the music also probably did all of the other sound design (laughs) since this whole team was like half a dozen people or less. Uh, I don't think that this was an accident. I think they were like, Oh, it's going to have like a Nessie arcade cabinet kind of feel. And I don't like it. (laughs) I just, (laughs) I just, I don't like that when you hit certain things that the noise they make is wrong like it's just it's it's just a weird computer noise so that there is a sound effect
2: the dog says Moo. That, 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 <laughs> that isn't the, right
1: the dog says <laughs> it's like that's that's way more of what you're coming up against is it's just computer noises because they're using the super restricted sound palette again i'm pretty sure super duper on purpose i just don't I don't like it. I I just felt like it was odd. And there are a lot of things that make like high pitch noises that don't feel like they should make high pitch noises. And again, if you just had like a folder of all of these sounds and you were just scrolling through them one at a time on your computer, I don't think you would play any of them and go, ooh, that that hurts the ear like oh that's an ugly Mm -hmm. sound i don't don't want that in my game they all sound fine they're just i didn't like the way they were deployed i guess just (laughs) just not not good bothered me all the way up to the end of the game like from from first boot up to beating the final boss i was just like ugh, these sounds
2: (laughs) from cradle to grave which is interesting uh again this is a quick side note but uh um you know because we we use the phrase cradle to grave you know quite regularly, which is, is fine, but at one point I said, like you know uh, yep when i'm when I'm putting Lizzie down for a nap, it can sometimes be troubling from cradle to grave, and I suddenly realized, that, yeah, <laughs> yes <yeah, it's...
1: laughs> so for for our, our audio listeners, which is you know all of you, um my
2: eyebrows just <laughs> damn near popped off my forehead. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it was one of those things where it gets to me it just you get used to saying that to, to mean from beginning to end, from cradle to grave, but and it works 95% of the time. But if you're referring to any activity you're doing with your child, do not use from cradle to
1: grave. Well, especially when you um, literally mean putting her in her cradle, right? Like you found yeah. maybe the worst combination of circumstances <laughs> to utilize that particular phrase phraseology. Yeah. Yeah, but uh,
2: but that being said, is um, to to because I, I would agree with you that there are that a lot of the sound effects do not sound like they belong where they are. But to to your your point is you know like on a scale of one to ten, you know ten being nailed it and a one being you know a, a, a complete pooch screw. <laughs> um, you know I would I would say that this isn't you know on the the necessarily on the lower ends because you know n- as you said none of the sound effects are offensive i mean and that is something that even modern day devs mess up i was playing civilization six recently and there is a unit called the Vot two or something like that where it's a it's an indian unit that's an elephant right mm. you know it's an elephant indian unit, makes sense um and all of the units make these like super normal realistic like clashing noises when they fight and the elephant makes an elephant noise except that it's 10 times louder than anything else in the game <laughs> and you You're not expecting it, especially because it's a specialty unit for India. So if you haven't happened to fight India during the phase of the game where they have that unit, you may never notice it. I've been playing the game for months. I had not fought one of those units. So I was like, alrighty, engage this unit. It was like, and And literally (laughs) Megan was like, what is that? And I was like, "It's, it's this one specialty unit. And then it happened like three or four more times. I was like, don't worry. Don't worry. I killed it. I killed it. And then like out of the fog of war that I can't see another one comes and makes that noise. And Megan jumped again. I'm like, sorry, there was another one. So I said, all will let's say this. There was none of those moments in Sydney Hunter, you know, where the, the sound made me jump out of my skin or made my skin crawl or anything like that. It is very much. So the dog says moo, you know, now, I, which, I, I mostly just learned to register that a noise
1: happened to match up with whatever visual I was seeing. So, like, if I'm trying to hit an enemy that takes multiple hits, the noise that it makes when you hit it may not make any damn sense. But I just used the fact that there was a noise as confirmation that a thing happened. I picked up a thing. I broke a thing. I hit a thing. I'm doing damage to a thing, right? Like, those all just sort of became sound just became like a binary. Like, was there a sound? not what was the sound, because there's no... I can't think of any times where there's sound information that is relevant, like, oh, you didn't break through their armor, so you're hitting them, but you're not doing damage. Like, I don't... I can't think of literally a single time that that happens in the game. So just sounds literally just became a confirmation that what I was seeing did, in fact, happen as I'm seeing it. (laughs) And that's... It, it's, you know, it's not like I don't hate it, but I, I nothing it like it, it, this right. the sound effects just became like the worst kind of window dressing where I was like, yeah, I don't even I'm not even thinking about sound effects anymore. and And what makes it so shocking is to just juxtapose that to the music, which I was actively right. seeking out, like when I had to backtrack through some levels to talk about. You know, collecting skulls, which I'm sure we're gonna get to soon. Um, (laughs) Like I actually went into a couple levels, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this level has this music. Awesome!" Right? There's there's nothing like that in the sound palette, but definitely in the musical score.
2: Yeah. Um, do do you do do you have anything else for for sound? Because
1: yeah, no that that was probably a pretty good segue to talk about the yeah (laughs) yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, talking about the mechanics.
2: So um when we talk about collecting skulls, I don't want to talk about that right now. I want to talk about something else. So <laughs> what I want to talk about is um because okay, so this this game made me kind of realize something um that I was unable to put together until this game. So I was very happy that this happened. Unfortunately, it's not a good thing, <laughs> but <laughs> but it was a real it was an epiphany that I had, right? Okay. And, and again, yeah and again you know uh, i I, i'm gonna give this one giant disclaimer which is you know i have designed exactly zero video games so i'm gonna sit here on my glass throne in my glass house and just throw stones until my arm gets tired so all that being said um what so i i I gotta talk about cycle time right (laughs) so just i'm gonna should we just rename this whole section of the show (laughs) (laughs) we should it's just then we talk about the cycle time then we talk about but no um so there are save points a lot of games use save points that's fine um however a lot of the times where the save points are is relatively far away from the thing that's likely to kill you the one that and and also too because it is a save point it loads the game as it was when you saved which is again A distinct choice so any skulls that you collected between when you hit the save point and when you died you have to go recollect and some of them are a pain and some of them aren't even a pain some of them are just time consuming it's just far
1: away or it's through a room that you can't traverse quickly because there's fire or whatever
2: exactly so you know and and the, the the wait times is is kind of its own little thing, right? But, uh, but yeah, so, you know, like there was one where there was a save point and then a gate guardian, right? The one that I kept dying to because of the fire thing. Right. And there was a skull in between those two. And I, I went and I collected the skull and I went and I fought the bad guy and I died. And after about the fourth or fifth time, I just stopped collecting the skull. Cause I was like, I'm going to go kill this guy because collecting the skull is taking me an additional 45 seconds. And I'm just, I'm tired. Ty- I collected the skull 10 times. Right. So what I realized, though, is that there are, there are plenty of other games that, you know, have save points and longer cycle cycle times that doesn't bother me. Immediately, I went to compare this to Celeste. And I was like, because, you know, that's my go-to, right? Is I was like, oh, Celeste cycle time is like, you know, lickety-split. But there are games with longer cycle times that don't bother me like this did. And so I, I had to—that was cognitively dissonant, so I had to reconcile it. And here's what I came up with, is that cycle time varies— Proportionally with the degree of failure spectrum, right? With the the uh, wideness of the failure spectrum, right? So what that means, to to, to vaguely translate <laughs> that, is that the the deeper of a failure state you can be in and still be successful, the longer the cycle time can be, right? So if you take Celeste, there is no failure spectrum for the most part, right? Yeah. No, is that you are either alive, done. yeah. Yeah, you are either alive or you are dead, and so thus the fail, the the cycle time is licky split fast, and that works, right? If you take a ge- game like Skyrim or Metal Gear Solid Seventeen or whatever they're on now, um, you know, uh, what what, what is mo? Mel- they're five Metal Gear Solid five, five, yeah. five. Okay, but I remember you playing that game, and and we've used it as an example before where like the idea is that you go in and you're super stealthy, but if you get you can get a little bit found and then super found and all of this, you know. Right. The situation can slowly get out of hand, but you can you can reel it back in, you know. That being said, though, is I'm sure that if you die completely, you restart the mission, right? No. Um if you no? die,
1: can it, it varies slightly from game to game, but if you die completely, you typically restart at some secret checkpoint that happened that you don't necessarily know happened. Because it, okay, it's such a but, heavily narrative driven universe that there's just lots of it's it's not unlike in a Resident Evil or Last of Us or a lot of like I'm sure all the modern Call of Bro Duty shooters do this where you entered a room and you didn't realize it, but that mm, was mm-hmm. the end of one sentence and the beginning of another sentence. And if you die right. during that sentence, you start at the beginning of that sentence, right? So right. Because if a mission – I mean, a mission in some of these games can literally take 30, 45 minutes, an hour, right? Yeah. So if you had to start back at the beginning at the 59-minute mark, it'd be maddening. Nobody
2: would do it. Right. So, I mean, so even that has a threshold to the degree to which you could do it. But again, you know, I'm sure it's not a – you know, it doesn't set you back 30 seconds like it does – or 10 seconds like it does in Celeste. No, right? it'd be a you matter know. of minutes. Right, so maybe five minutes, maybe ten minutes, something like that, right? I mean, this game does not set you back that far. It sets you back, like, maybe two minutes, you know? But still, because especially... And and again, when I became aware of it was when I was fighting a thing that could one-hit kill me, right? And I'm like, this is frustrating because... Because I i went from being fine to being completely dead and now being set back two minutes. So I didn't get the time to like slowly start to trip and fail and fall, fail and fail and fail, and then say, okay, I've now been failing for like 30 seconds consecutively. I kind of deserve to be set back a minute. It's like I was perfectly successful, then I made one mistake and now I'm set back two minutes. So um to me like i said the the amount of the, the length of your cycle time is basically proportional somewhat to the length of your failure spectrum right the the scope of your failure spectrum and this game, I do not feel always hit that perfectly, right, which is to say that there were times when you know because there there's a lot of times when you just you take hits, and I do feel that there was a failure spectrum because you can get four or five ten hit points you know, and all this sort of stuff, but in the beginning, when you have three hit points right that 's still fine. But the fact that things can one hit kill you and set you back two minutes, that's frustrating because it suddenly takes what you think is a failure spectrum and narrows it down to a single point and punch you back two minutes. So
1: So I have a rare opportunity to tell you that uh, they, in fact, thought about this and Hmm. uh, you just disagree with the conclusion they came to, which is totally fine because I'm actually 100 percent with you on this. I I don't <laughs> I don't like when I'm in a situation where my options are perfection or not perfection when that is not kind of the stated expectation of the entire game, right? Mm-hmm. And the reason I know that this is something they thought about is because uh you always reload to a save spot unless you haven't touched what what, what would you call those things? They're like little statues, idols. idols.
2: Yeah, I'd call him an idol. Yeah. Yeah. Okay,
1: so the, you reload to the little save idol unless you haven't touched one yet, in which case you reload to the beginning of the stage. And so uh, this game, because it's a modern game emulating classic games, they can do things like rebalance the distribution of save points. And they did that because when they originally released the game, people were just kind of like, wow, these are like really few and far between. And the developers were kind of like, yeah, it's... It's hard. It's a hard game. Like, it's we meant for it to be hard. They're like, could it be slightly less hard? Because you don't have... Save spots are... Like, you choose to save. Like, you walk in front of it and you press up, right? So you could, if you wanted to, just ignore them and have a, you know, user-selectable difficulty in that way. Or you can be a giant coward, collect that skull, go back and save... And then go fight the Mm -hmm. boss so you never have to collect that skull again, right? Which I caught myself doing a couple times. But there's this one level, literally only one level in the game that has a single save spot at the halfway mark. And I know that because I happen to be playing when the developer happened to be watching and... I literally, I have like one hit left and I'm just like screen after screen. I'm just like, where the hell is the save spot? Because, oh, by the way, this game has no map, right? Sprawling levels, no idea which direction you have to go in. you just have to figure that out. And so so I'm like getting more and more tense because I was like, I'm going to die and I'm going to have to start this entire level over. I really, really don't want to do that. And then he pops in the chat and he's like, oh yeah, we specifically designed this level to be difficult for the speedrunning community, because this is the only level that can potentially set you way back. All the other levels, if you've been hitting all the save spots, it just sets you back a little. And I was just like, but I'm not a speedrunner. Like, I don't want to deal with this. And the save animation already takes so long, no self-respecting speedrunner would ever do it. So I was just like, I get what they're going for, but I'm landing completely on your side of this like I just don't always like the way the cycle time pans out but we we are in a weird position as as game critics where I can say for sure they thought about this and you and I just disagree with the conclusion they came to.
2: <laughs> well, and that's that's interesting, you know, because it's it's kind of like saying, you know, hey, I joined this 5k because I want to get into shape. And you know, be better than I was, and for all of these reasons, that's why I'm running this 5K. And it would be like the leaders of the the the, the people who brought the 5K together would be like, "That's cool," but during kilometers three and four, you need to be running at a minimum of 15 kilometers per hour. Period. Like th- those are the rules. We will we will literally kick you out of this run if you're not, because we want to encourage like world class athletes to join. You know, and it's like that then. That makes me not want to 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 run the the 5K at all, you know, and 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 maybe I again never developed the game, but you know, I, there are plenty of speedrunners that speedrun games that don't have things that are specifically there, you know, for speedrunners. Like it's oh yeah, it's, and I mean,
1: speedrunning is a relatively modern phenomenon because mm-hmm. early competitive video gaming was. Can you get the highest possible score like in Pac-Man? The highest possible score is literally breaking the game because the counter can no longer count numbers that big, right? So speedrunning is a more modern type of competitive video gaming that includes older video games because they're very predictable in a lot of ways, as well as newer video games that are specifically designed with that community in mind. That being said, I just need to really reiterate The save animation takes a freaking eternity. There is no way that anyone who is trying to speed run the game would ever stop and save because the total, like the aggregate of all of those save animations would also ruin your run. Just like if you died and had to start the level over, that run would be ruined, right? Like your attempt at the record would be ruined. So to only have a single... Save in that level because it's like, oh, we're trying to make this level difficult for someone who's trying to do the level quickly. And it's like somebody who's trying to do the level quickly would already have had to start the level over because they would not have been saving as they went through the level. So there could be right. a save spot every 10 feet
2: and it wouldn't change anything because, because- they would not be using them. <laughs> It would be, it'd be like saying like we removed all the wet rest stops on this highway because we don't want we we want long haul truckers to be able to make their times better and it's like they're not stopping at the pit stops anyways they're driving through them because they want to make their time yeah you know yeah so it, it's um,
1: like I said it, it we're in a weird position where it's like yeah they definitely thought about it and I definitely wish there had been some more friggin safe spots <laughs> or that it, yes. in some cases not more but placed differently and in the later levels they seem to have gotten. More squeamish about it, because in the later levels i it felt like there was always a safe spot right before the boss, like one screen away at most but in mm-hmm. in most of the earlier levels, sometimes it's like two, three, four screens away where you could definitely lose hearts or die on your way to fight the boss, and
2: that's again feels like it's reverse right like shouldn't it be harder later? Well, and and one of the other things that while we're kind of talking about the save points I, I want to touch on is that, so the save points are in an area where there are enemies, mm-hmm. right? And that, that seems, you know, kind of like a, eh, you know, whatever, right? But because activating the save spot makes you regain all of your health and saves the game, right? So it's not, it's not a checkpoint per se, it is a save, mm, right? Totally. So I I find, and and I'm sure other games do this, but I found it a little bit, like, frustrating because what would happen is I would go hit the save spot, climb up a ladder, and while I was climbing up the ladder, an enemy tagged me and then died, right? And I was like, "Ah." And I just went back down, hit the save spot again, got my heart back, walked back up, got, like, three or four, you know. But unless I was through that screen, all of the enemies were effectively pointless, they just wasted my time, Mm -hmm. you know, because I was was not going to leave that screen at anything less than full health. The only thing they did was make me backtrack the save point 15 times versus once, whereas you know, if it was, you know, in an area where it's like I could save and then, you know, collect some whatever, you know, but actually get a rest and take a beat, you know, and then move on to like the next screen, which is I think the way kind of Shovel Knight does it is most of their you know, checkpoints are in a screen that is that's all that's in there is the checkpoint you know by and large yeah the the checkpoint yeah. is in an
1: area that is either completely safe and impossible to miss or is so obviously not on the main path that you can just tell they're messing with you right but it's it's still yeah. it's still supremely reachable and achievable and i think part of what we're seeing is our partial disagreement with the distribution of the save spots at all. And then I mm-hmm. definitely also did the same thing where I was just like, Oh, I got hit. I'm going to just walk back over here and eat the 25 seconds to get my health back. Right. Um But then also I know for a fact that they added more save spots. So the levels were designed around say, you know, mm-hmm. let, let's say every level originally had three and then they went back and added two more. That means that those two were added in a spot where they were not originally intended to be, right? And so that right. that sometimes is probably seamless and you don't even notice, and other times it's probably
2: really not. Right, and I mean that's that's fair, um, and and so knowing knowing what we know that they went back and, and added more safe spots that that makes sense. But yeah, I was just kind of like, why are there enemies here? Like all they're doing is just obst- they're they're ultimately not obstructing my forward progress in any meaningful way, like in any in any challenging way, it's just a, a waste of time, you know? And again, you could make the argument that that's to this to no, I mean, obviously no speedrunner would ever do that, but I'm not a speedrunner. I just kind of wanted to explore the worlds and see what there was to see. And And this is an example, this is an example of a game that is really easy to maximize the fun out of, you know? <laughs> I mean, and, and and again, not to say that the game's not fun, but I mean, it's uh, it, like what 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 did you do when you got hit? You know, in an area, if there was a safe spot nearby, you backtracked and you saved. It was was that fun? No, that's not why why you came here to play the game. But it's what you did because that's the best way to play. You know. So and 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 again, players are uh, aggressive about maximizing the fun out of a game. So it is very difficult to. I mean, like really, really top tier AAA games. have had you know. Made mistakes to where you know they're like, well, we want this to be gritty, in-your-face action, and it's like, well, it's not going to be that because you have not dissuaded people from taking an hour to creep through every level, you know. Yep. So, um, so this would be an example of where the fun can be maximized out of the game.
1: Yeah, and and th- this is uh, the the save to get my health back thing is some a, a strategy I basically completely abandoned in the second half of the game because once I had more hearts. I was like, oh, well, I can take a hit, right? Like, Mm -hmm. if I have six hearts instead of three, taking a hit is not game ending. And then, like, in the very end game, when you get the thing that's like, oh, now you take half damage, I was like, well, now I'm just an asshole. Like, I would just go plowing (laughs) through rooms of enemies because I was like, I will survive to the next save spot. So I don't even care if I'm taking damage, which is, I don't think you should be incentivized to be a reckless idiot, which I kind of was because by that point I had a combination of avatar strength and player development where I was better at the game and my avatar had been powered up. So I was like, I can be a reckless idiot if I want to. Right. And Mm -hmm. in fact, just as a a perfect illustration for this, uh, you can get potions and elixirs. Elixirs restore Mm -hmm. all of your health, no matter how much health you have, Potions restore exactly one heart, right? So it's potions are the item they expect you to use early in the game. Elixirs are the item they expect you to use later in the game, but you can buy them. And money basically only has one function. There's a couple story functions in the end game, but basically it's to buy elixirs. And so once I got to the final boss and I realized what fighting the final boss would mean in terms of platforming skill, I said, or I can just fill my inventory with elixirs. And then I can just wail on him and totally ignore how much damage I'm taking because (laughs) I have stocked up in a way that I've negated my ability to be a good platformer. Like it is no longer a need for me to be a good platformer. I can just wail on the last boss until I win. And to be fair, that strategy and like there is still some platforming you have to do. It's not a total joke, but like it still felt triumphant when I beat the last boss, but that level of, player cradling feels like something you expect in the early game, not in the end game. Right. Or if it's in the Mm -hmm. end game, you would expect it to also be present in the early game. But in the early game, I was a lot more timid. I was a lot slower and cautious. Right. But then by the end game, I was just like, whip it good. Like I am here (laughs) to save you people from your evil God. Right. Like it's, it's just a, I guess that's good in some ways. Like I felt empowered by the end of the game, but I felt overpowered
2: by the end of the game. Right. Um one of the other things that and this is this is interesting. So if this game was at least in part designed around speedrunning, I this is either a misread on my part or and the
1: impression I got is that they designed it with speedrunners in mind, not for right. them. So that's mm. it's a, a tiny difference, but I, I would say it's it is designed to be approachable to anyone but the level flow is in such a way that it would also
2: be appealing to a speedrunner right and so that's that's what i'm saying it's like so especially in the beginning there were a lot of places where i felt i was forced to wait you know especially with like the disappearing and reappearing blocks you know um i i would sit there you know and you know, you have you jump 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 and then you have to you have to wait for a second for a block to appear and then you jump, 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 you know. Um, so, and I did try, because one of the things that I've noticed with a lot of modern video games is that, uh, you know, if if you are get the wicked fast reflexes and super cunning, then you can just, you, you don't need to worry about timing. You just go. You know, you can just go straight. If you <laughs> go full on, balls to the wall, you just go. You can navigate the level. It is navigable. You know, it's just, are you, are your reactions quick enough and correct, right? But there were a couple of times when, you know, I was like, it doesn't matter how fast I am. Like, I I have to jump, jump, jump. And now I have to wait for a second, not a tremendous amount of time, but for a second. And then now I can begin to progress again. So that seemed odd to me. Um, Pretty much any time when I see waiting, forced waiting in a video game, especially if there's any sort of cycle time issues, then it's like, okay, well, that means that, you know, in a one minute time period, I have to wait for five seconds. So that's a pro- approximately a 10 percent waste of time. Right. And then if you iterate that five times, you know, it's like, OK, you know, it, it it becomes kind of jarring. So I'm surprised if speed running was in mind that waiting would be baked into the process, which makes me feel that it may be a misread on mine, that I'm that there may have been a way to speed run past these areas where I was waiting. But I couldn't intuit it when I was playing,
1: yeah, and I think that's I mean that that's the generous interpretation, right the generous interpretation is there is a way to do this way faster without the waiting i we Gaia just didn't figure out what it is right and and the the negative like cynical take would be there is not a way to do this faster, and everyone would just have to wait here. No matter how fast you are at all the other parts, you would have to wait here, right? that That's the cynical. And then the flat-out negative way is they thought they designed this section with a way to do it faster, <laughs> and they didn't, right? So, like, uh, this isn't speed running, but, like, the kinds of crazy things people get up to in video games. Uh, Super Mario 64 is, like, one of the most weird challenge games in existence for some reason. Like, where people just keep coming up with crazier and crazier challenges like oh can you beat it only using your butt to control it like just weird insane <laughs> things and and one of the can you swallow <laughs> the controller and use it only only from the inside yeah from through stomach cramps from indigestion like it's it's very weird <laughs> so there's this one uh part in this one challenge where the goal is to beat the game pressing a as few times as possible and so In, I think, the Wii re-release, like, the virtual console on the Wii, there is this platform that, like, goes down and then goes up. But on the Nintendo 64, the math to make that happen was truncated in a different spot than it is on the Wii. And on the Wii, eventually, that platform will rise all the way to the top of the screen. But it takes, like, 47 hours. So if you are willing, if what you're optimizing for is pressing a, the fewest number of times, then you can just stand on this platform until it eventually rises you up to the top of this platforming challenge. And now you're up at the top, right? But that is obviously not what they meant for you to do. Like that is super duper, obviously not what they meant for you to do. That is the community being clever and frankly weird. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when when you know that a the flow of a level was maybe not built for speedrunners but built with them in mind, that sort of forces you into a box where you have to say either this part of the level was not designed as well as they meant to, or I didn't figure out what the trick is to you know deftly glide my way through this platforming challenge. And so you know I I'm, don't I'm like I don't I don't have the answer to that. But I there were definitely times where I was like okay, I got to wait. Okay. And then there were a handful of times where I was like, I bet if I run at just the right time, these like fire traps are timed such that I can make it through all of them. Right. But Mm -hmm. there, there were a lot more times where I caught myself doing exactly what you were doing where I was just like, okay, I guess I got to wait. I don't have to wait that long. It's not that big of a deal, but I mean, it literally halts your forward progress.
2: Right. Which is, again, something that you you don't really realize how spoiled you become on not having that until all of a sudden. And this is tangential, but a a great example of why I outright refuse to play Mario Maker, you know, because (laughs) like I have just, you know, I've become spoiled on the fact that if I, you know, just wildly improvise enough that I can just run through a level at full speed and, and get through it you know so if there is waiting baked into a level it just it is it, i mean it's <laughs> it's like running full tilt into a sliding glass door you know because <laughs> <laughs> like, you're like i've got it bam you know which definitely didn't happen to me when i was 11 <laughs> um so uh so yeah one thing though that i i really want to make sure that we touch on is the the my mayan theming mm. Um, we've kind of touched on it in visuals and audio, but, uh, the, the thing is from what I can tell uh, with my doctorate in Mayan culture, um, all of the references appear to be accurate, you know? So like they, they reference a number of different deities. Um, the, I mean, obviously the deities don't come to life and try to Mega man you to death. Right. <laughs> but the, the the references to like what their pantheon is, you know, like what what's in their divine portfolio, um, you know, uh, what divine salient abilities they would potentially have had they been given avatar form, right? Um, mm-hmm. all of that seems. <laughs> surprised you haven't called me on any of this yet? Do you
1: just you look so <laughs> delighted with yourself. I'm just like I'm going to let him just really just keep on having this.
2: Really really happy with what I've done so far today, <laughs> but, but um. But anyways, it's all of that seems accurate, which is which is good, because that means that because you know, at first I was like, I, I did do some legwork like, just to make sure that it was syncing up in any meaningful way, because you know, I was like, if they're just making up banana pants, weird names and attributing it to my culture, I will be actively agitated, you know, but they're not it's 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 at least semi real, which means that if I were to take a seven to 13 year old and put them down in front of this game, they would potentially walk away with some knowledge of Mayan culture, right? You know, like at least what a Mayan calendar is and looks like, you know, that what some of the, you know, that there's a Mayan God that, you know, dealt with bees particularly. And the one that was like a sun God, you know, things like that, which is um, to me, a case for this game and, and games in general, because we were talking a while back about like math blaster, <laughs> You know, and saying how oh well, you know, math class is frustrating because they're trying to beat you over the head with teaching you. If you wanted to teach somebody math, make them play D and D because you have to know math. Or Kerbal space program. To... Say what? Kerbal space program. I, are, are you having a
1: stroke? What? No, it's a, it's like a rocket simulator with aliens. You need math. That's
2: the point. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not familiar with that game, so when like completely straight face, you're like Kerbal Space Program. I'm like, D- <laughs> <laughs> do, do you smell smoke? Like what? I taste um, copper. <laughs> uh, no, this the true. But anyways, this 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 is the type of tangential learning that i think the games can be good with right which is to say that you know it's not sitting there saying like who was the mayan sun god you know enter their name in in order to move forward and it's like it's just like no you just you know as you play the game if you were to play this game a lot you'd become very familiar with that and then all of a sudden say, somebody'd say you know oh yeah mayans had all sorts of gods and you'd be like oh yeah did you know that they had a god that you know was like that revolved around bees and honey no really it's like yeah actually their name you know you, you would get it through tangential learning which i think uh is is something that not all games, certainly not all games do i don't think necessarily enough games do uh, so many games spend so much time creating their own lore that It's like you know we've got a whole wide world out there and there's some banana stuff out there right um so the fact that this game instead of just creating all of its own lore it just said no we're going to take mayan lore and And again, hopefully, fingers crossed, treat it with respect. Um, I thought that was a good thing.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with you in if you are going to uh, touch on something that is a real culture in the real world, at least make an attempt to treat it with respect, right? Mm Because, I mean, this game is very silly, but it feels like the entire world is silly, not that they are saying Mm -hmm. Mayans or their gods or their culture or their anything is silly, right? It's, this is just a Looney Tunes view of everything. And if you went to, you know, Sydney Hunter and the quest to find a restaurant in New York, it would probably be like a really (laughs) silly version of New
2: York that would be like, hey, I'm walking (laughs) here. I mean, I'm not, I'm up in an elevator, but I'm walking here. (laughs) Exactly
1: like that, right? And and that's... (laughs) That's an important thing because I suspect none of these people have your PhD in what was it Mayan culture? Yes.
2: Um, so right. So that that's in, in, in the same way that you you are fluent in the language of math. I, yeah, I have a PhD in Mayan. The culture, difference yeah. is an accredited university actually said that to me. So. that doesn't make me believe more in your ability to speak the language of math. It makes me question my degree from the same accredited (laughs) university appeal to authority (laughs) anyway. um, (laughs) But I I do
1: think it's like, it's, it's important to at least make an attempt, right. To, to respect the real world culture you're borrowing from. And they do seem to have generally made an attempt like to use the real names and the correct spellings and, and just not, completely phone it in because that's when you easily slide into not nice things like bigotry and yeah. accidental racism and stuff. And so it's, you know, yeah, if you're going to borrow from real culture, like do that because there's lots of good reasons to do it, but you know, think twice. And they, they seem to have, like I said, you know, it, at least made an effort, which is a lot more than a lot of people seem to do in any part of their life. Um, <laughs> I want to uh, give a quick mention to the collectathon nature of this mm-hmm. game uh, because of two uh, coincidental things that happened. One, uh, we just played Banjo-Kazooie as of this recording. We recently played and released the episode for Banjo-Kazooie, and uh, that's a 3D collect-a-thon. And I kind of had this thought. I was like, there aren't really a lot of 2 d collectathons, are there? And then we just happened to be playing this game now. And I was like, oh, hey, a sort of collect-a-thon, right? Because you have to collect skulls to unlock the later levels. But I realized... This game isn't a -a collect-a-thon in all of those mechanics because all the skulls are hidden. You've got to – or almost all of them are hidden or they're, like, behind platforming challenges or whatever. So, like, they're difficult to collect. But it is thrown very much in your face from the word go that you have to collect them, that they are hidden – And exactly how many you need to finish the game. Because since the entire hub world is the temple and the entire temple is accessible to you from the word go, you can literally just walk to the hallway that has the last boss room in it and see, oh, the highest number of skulls I've seen over a door is 100. So there are either exactly 100, and I better not leave any on the floor, or there's roughly 100, and I can be picky, but I don't know how picky and it, tur- well, it turns it turns out the margin of error is 8
2: 8 total skulls that you can miss yeah
1: there's there's 100 that you can get with zero backtracking and then if you do some backtracking then you can get up to 8 like secret skulls so it it's not in that crucial detail it is not a collectathon that is just a gating mechanic to progress through the game whereas in Uh, Like Super Mario 64, Super Mario Odyssey. I think this is also true of Sunshine, but I haven't played Sunshine in forever. Um, Galaxy was the same way. There's a thing you have to collect, but the abundance of it relative to how much you need to progress forward is like 10x. If the abundance Mm -hmm. of the item you need is like 1x or 1.1x, then it's to me, that makes it not a -a collect-a-thon. So... Oh, I'm sure a lot of people would be like, oh, you have to collect skulls to go forward, collect-a-thon, just like Banjo-Kazooie, just like Super Mario 64, and I would say no. The amount of thing you need to go forward relative to the amount there is available needs to be like two, three, four, five times at a minimum for me to think of it as a collect-a-thon. I don't know if that's like industry standard. I just made it industry standard, so I don't care, but... If you need, like, I mean, because think of it: if it was any other thing, if there were five locked doors and you had to find five keys to unlock all five doors, would you say, "Oh, it's a collectathon with keys"? No, you would just say you need keys to get through the locked doors. Yeah. If there were five locked doors and there were a thousand keys, then yeah, it's a collectathon.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's not a collectathon; it's an escape the room. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I agree completely. Um, is that in order for a thing to be a collectathon, right? Like you said, is that there has to be, you don't. You, you cannot inherently have to collect all of it in order to participate. For example, you know, a CCG, which is a collectible card game, right? You don't have to have a copy of every card in order to play the game. That's the point, right? Is that, you know, you you have to have a base level of cards in order to play the game. And then you get more cards, and that changes the way in which you experience the game. That's a collect-a-thon, right? Is that as you collect more things, it changes the way you experience it experience the game. It is not a requirement to experience the game. That is a gating mechanic, right? And so, it is It is, in, in my own personal opinion a poor gating mechanic when the the gate is the further away the gate is from the gating mechanic, <laughs> right? The worse the gating mechanic is, right? So, like, for example, if they said, you know, hey, you absolutely need to learn this skill. We're going to teach you this skill 10 minutes into the game, right? And then it's three hours into the game that you realize that you didn't learn that skill and you have to have it to progress. That's a poor gating mechanic, right? Any game developer would tell you so, right? So if you've got to collect, you know, a hundred notes or 30 skulls or whatever, and I see one and I say, "Uh, I don't know if I have the skill level. I don't know if I have the patience or the time or whatever. I'm just going to skip that one you know like i've collected the majority of them so i should be fine and then you find out you know many hours later potentially that no you absolutely had to collect that then it's 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 a gating mechanic you know and not necessarily a good one so uh yeah i think that and again in mario absolutely 100 percent not the case like you could collect what i mean how many stars do you need in order to beat that game for mario 64 like Eighty something like oh, that. Oh yeah, like 90? like literally a
1: quarter, I think, or half of the available stars. About half.
2: Yeah, and, yeah, and so, somewhere in, around half. In,
1: beat in Odyssey, I think it literally is like thirty percent that you need to beat it versus what you need to like get the true ending. But here's so here's two things about the collecting of crystal skulls that jumped out to me as I I really started to grind on this. One is they tell you. From literally the first level that you're going to need skulls that they're hard to get, that they're all hidden. And here's how many you need to unlock each door. And before you go into a level, like if you're just standing in front of the door, it tells you how many keys are in that level, how many you found, how many skulls are in that level, how many you found. And if there's any special items in that level and whether or not you found them. So Mm -hmm. they make backtracking way less daunting because they're giving you a lot of clues up front that this matters. Like since they give you a ledger that's like, Hey, this is where you keep track of all the stuff you've collected. That sort of implies like, and we expect you to fill the ledger out. Right. So there's, there's a lot of like pushing in the right direction. What I wish they had done. The one additional thing that this game or any game like this, I think could do as At about the three quarters mark, so around the time where I'm probably going to have to start backtracking if I wasn't 100%ing every level as I went through, give me some kind of optional crystal skull locator that points me in the right direction in the level to where any remaining skulls are. You don't have to highlight it on the screen, but at least let me know if there's one hidden on the screen that I'm on. Because Mm -hmm. that makes backtracking so much less arduous. And hey, I can ignore that if I want to. But if I've gotten to like right before the big climax of the story and it's like, okay, go back, right? I dealt with this exact thing in Banjo-Kazooie and I was super annoyed by it. Like if I'm going to have to backtrack, that's fine. I like backtrackers. I actually don't mind backtracking. But what I don't like is it's like, oh, go pick up every crumb that you missed Hopefully you remember where they all are. By the way, some of them are intentionally obscured from you, right? That's that's where I, I just feel like, give me the option for kid gloves, essentially, right? Just because what can happen is I get all the way into the experience and then I realize I need to go back and I would like to have going back be exciting where I'm like, ah, I'm super powered now and platforming is really easy, ha, 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 ha and it's like this fun like i'm going back and picking up the items that were maybe too challenging like you said too challenging for me to get on my first pass through but instead it just becomes a screen by screen whip the wallathon where i'm like mm-hmm. i don't think this looks like a block that breaks but i swear to god i've looked everywhere else so i'm just going to keep whipping stuff until
2: a skull falls out of the the wall right and and that now, now to be fair when, when you whip do you whip at below average average or good Oh, I, I I, would say I consistently whip it good. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, especially when you
1: crack that whip. Yeah. I mean, why would you yeah. crack that whip if you're not going to whip it good? I said whip um, it. So, yeah, I, I really feel like this, you know, cr- some kind of, you know, here's the thing you have to go backtrack and collect locator just to, like, nudge me in the right direction would make that, oh, crap, now I have to go do backtracking more Thrilling and less of a friggin' chore. And I can tell again that they thought about this kind of thing because after you have finished a level, if you go into a level, anything you collect and then you touch a save spot comes with you out of the level. So you actually can mm-hmm. go back, grab that one skull, touch a save spot, and then quit out of the level. You don't have to finish the whole level again. And the fact that they thought of that screams to me. We expect a lot of players are going to have to backtrack, right? Yeah. If you're smart or if you uh, are speed running, then yeah, you can do it without backtracking. They specifically designed the levels to not require backtracking, but the nature of the game and human nature means that backtracking is probably going to happen. So just Mm -hmm. make sure that that experience is not a total karma
2: suck. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, So do you have anything else?
1: Yeah, my, my one final note, uh, just I, I just need to. We've played a lot of indie games for the show and just as people who play video games, and uh, I have critiqued before the indie humor that often makes its way into indie video games, and a lot of the humor in this isn't bad, it is groan worthy. There was just a lot of times where a joke would get made, and I would just go, <sighs> Right? Like, <laughs> because, like, a little part of me finds it funny. Like, the part of me that's still, you know, a nine year old or an 11 year old is just like, yeah, okay. I, I, I see what you're going for there. Very funny, guys. But then there's just that other part of me that's like, does every indie game have to have this kind of like childish, irreverent humor? Like, what is it about it? It's like pixel art. Like, I love pixel art. So I don't mind that indie games tend to go to pixel art, but. I don't always love sort of silly, childish, irreverent humor. And yet a lot of indie games also seem to think they have to have that. So I just like, it's not bad. There isn't any humor in this that I was like, this is, it's, uh, it's unpalatable. It's insensitive. It's off color or anything like that. But it was just a lot of like, Oh God. Right. (laughs)
2: Like it's, it's, it's your dad introducing the family to the waiter or waitress at a restaurant. Totally. You know, it's like just grown worthy. (laughs) Yeah, where it's just kind of like, like, like oh, uh, hi, I'll be your server today. Oh, hi, Candace. We'll be your patrons today. And you're like, stop, stop. Yeah. It's just a job, man. She wants you, yes. like, gone as fast as humanly possible. So I you can put another person down in your place and turn through the tip. It is a This is a production line, and we are the product. Please stop. Yeah, no, per- perfect you know? example. Not,
1: not offensive. Nothing that yeah. ruins the experience even, right? It, it's like that's that is the charm of it is like, it's a toony silly, you know, kind of grown humor. I just personally often find myself being like, why, why is every indie game grown humor? So, you know, not, not a good thing or a bad thing. This is just my
2: personal, like, uh... <laughs> Um. so yeah. So uh, with that in mind, does this game learn from other games and, uh, and, and, does it hold up? So yeah, d- did it learn
1: from history? Um, did it
2: learn from history?
1: And and I th- I think phrasing that specifically matters because what we didn't touch on and what we could probably do an entire, you know, additional several episodes on is all of the things this is obviously cribbing from Castlevania and Zelda 2 mm-hmm. and Mega Man and DuckTales and some other arcade games that I'd never even heard of. Like there's, there's a bajillion places that this is obviously shamelessly copying from, right? This is, this is an homage to those earlier games, right? In in the way a lot of modern indie games are, and that is neither here nor there. But what problem that creates is if you crib a mechanic from here and you crib a mechanic from there, and some of those gears don't quite go together, then you end up in a place where someone who has none of that history might go, Why? (laughs) <laughs> right? And, and there's no glaring weirdness in this game. There's nothing that I think someone who has no games literacy for older games would find it completely falls down. But there are some quirks where you might go, that was an odd choice, unless you know the reference. But the reference isn't specific enough that you would go, that's an odd choice. I would love to go find out what game that was crypt from, right? So it. I ended up on a solid... Uh, nostalgia monocle because mm. i think there's nothing in the game that's unforgivable to a a new player someone whose games literacy is only recent games but there's a lot of weird you know rough edges and just like pointy corners where having this direct line from history where you could connect it makes them easier to forgive Where you are just like Oh, the reason this boss is sort of acting insane is because this is kind of how Mega Man bosses acted at this time in history. Oh, the reason these platforming challenges seem sort of out of place is because they're taking these interesting mechanics from these different platformers and combining them in this unique and interesting way, right? So it's like you don't need all of that backstory, but the backstory helps, and it 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 helps enough. <laughs> That I was like, no, you should really put on your your nostalgia monocle. Like, come to this with a little understanding of of the the Ness era that this is so heavily borrowing from, because it will make the rough edges less rough. Uh,
2: I would kind of go agree with you. Is that you know, it's it's definitely not full on nostalgia monocles, where it's just kind of like yeah no this this game has all the same pitfalls as the old games and so just go play the originals uh and it's not you know it's it's uh, it's not celeste where it's just kind of like no this game takes all of the the pitfalls of the originals and and pours tons of concrete in it so you can gracefully walk through it um if you know because a lot of times we frame this as a uh, who would you recommend this for you know Um, And and one of the things that we kind of discussed briefly beforehand is that what I feel that this game will suffer from is that if this game had had come out, you know, like 20 years ago, regardless of the technology and all that sort of stuff, I think it would have done gangbusters. But the issue is with so many different video games dropping all the time and so many different entertainment outlets desperately clawing for your attention, right, is that this one suffers from the fact that, you know, it's not... It's not Celeste, right? So if if one of my friends said, "Hey, what what video game would you recommend for me?" I probably wouldn't recommend this one, not because it's bad. It's 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 a it's a fine game, you know, but because you know the people that I'm talking to don't have infinite sums of time. So I'd be like, "Well, have you played Celeste? Have you played The Last of Us? Have you played like these top five games that like I'm, are my go to recommendations?" And if the answer is no to any of those. Then it's gonna be like play one of those and then play these like these, these are my lists. so this would land somewhere in the middle of my rest list to recommend however if i were recommending it to somebody if they were saying like hey i'm looking for a uh like an educational game i'd say like first of all don't get an educational game <laughs> like if it says it's an educational game don't get it, it just just either sit down and do your <laughs> homework with your child or play video games don't do an educational game right but if they were looking for something where they were saying you know hey Uh, You know, I'm looking for a video game that's not just a video game for video game sake, I would probably recommend this because I could say like, look, this game, it's, it's, you know, it's got a lot of Mayan culture behind it. And uh, you, you can definitely learn tangentially from it. So if they, if your kid spends 20 hours playing this game, at least they'll come away, you know, with all of the benefits that you get from playing video games and some tangential knowledge of mind culture. So from that state, you know, if said, you know, would you recommend it to, to, you know, like a parent of a, you know, eight year old to a 13 year old? I, we Gaia would. The curtain falls, the music plays,
0: the credits roll, then it all fades to black. And you're left by yourself The fanfare is gone There's no player two There by your side to share victories won But as you slowly progress Down the hall to your bed A few great events Leak back into your head From the time that you spent Traversing the land, battling evil, fighting the darkness, just sword in hand. Your memories reaping with the end of a smile. You realize again what you've lost for a while. You're gonna think back much less on how you can saved the day than on our. Experience games at the end of it all. And we play what we play.